May I extend a very warm welcome to you this evening. It's lovely to be together for another hour of worship. And as we uh, come together, we pray for God's blessing to, to be on us and our hearts and minds to be able to focus and concentrate on our God. Now, a couple of things just before we start. I just want to remind you of the um, the charity of the month. We obviously heard from um, Leah, Becky, and Corrie last Sunday evening. And just a reminder that there's a um, there's a prayer letter in the foyer, and they'll be needing our prayer form financial support over the coming 12 months in particular. And um, I think Becky's in a slightly different situation, but nevertheless, still appreciative of our prayers. So I'd encourage you to take a look. I think there's a QR code out there for um, signing up for prayer letters and sponsoring. And uh, I know the, uh, all three of the, uh, the girls would be really appreciative. Uh, secondly, um, we have refreshments after the service to celebrate with Steve and Betty as they acknowledge God's goodness on their diamond wedding anniversary. So please do stay around for some refreshments afterwards. And um, I've been asked just to pass on, if perhaps the kids especially, if you want mind just waiting for all the adults to get in there so that there's uh, a little bit left for, for everyone to enjoy. Well, as we start our worship, I just want to read uh, one of my favorite psalms, and that's uh, a few verses from Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. Well, we're coming to that great God um, for whom the mountains melt like wax before him. And uh, as we as we uh, as we worship tonight, let's keep that in mind exactly to whom we're coming. And we've got some beautiful hymns this evening, and we're going to start with uh, "My Hymn of Praise Shall Ever Be," and it's all about living a life for Jesus. And I'll just read the chorus, which is "So for all my days I will sing my praise to the King forever, Jesus. Though the storms may rage, He is strong to save. He's the King forever, Jesus. Let's stand and sing."
And let's bow our heads and pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we, uh, as we come before you, we're very conscious, Lord, of who you are and what we are and the great gulf between us. But we thank you that we come pleading the blood and the finished work of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the great reconciler. And Father, as we bow before you, we pray for a... Uh, a true reverence in our hearts and minds to know exactly who you are. We've just sang of your, the great might that Lord we, uh, and, and to sing your praise forever. And Lord, what a real privilege it is to be able to know, to know you and that Lord to be known by you. And Father, we come before you and we bow ourselves knowing that you are the high and holy Lord God, that you are the true and living God. And uh, Lord, there is none else. And as we worship, Father, we pray that our hearts will be really full of praise and worship of you. You deserve all the glory that we can ever give. Lord, our praise is, still seems so little when we consider all that you have done. The fact that, Lord, we owe you nothing after you've done so much for us. And as we come together for worship, Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds will be put in a right place and that we will be free from distractions in our minds and our um, and our phones and our, uh, all the things going on around us. But Lord, that we might concentrate on you because you deserve all the glory and the praise. And Father, we confess before you our sin. You know, Lord, that every day we fall short of what you require of us. And that, Lord, despite our best efforts, even, uh, even that is tainted with sin. Um, and Lord, you know that, uh, you know that we can never be, um, what we want to be and what we should be. But we thank you that we are accepted by you, that, Lord, we are um, clothed in Jesus, In Jesus, that, Lord, we like those Russian dolls, Lord, we are, we are clothed in you. And, Father, we thank you for the great grace and mercy that you've shown to the human race in sending the Lord Jesus Christ to be our saviour. And I pray, Lord, we will never get tired of that, we won't get numb, think we know it all, but, Lord, I pray that every day we will wonder at the amazing grace of God. And Lord, if we've never experienced it before, then I pray, Lord, that we will know it tonight, that our hearts might be truly melted by the love of God. We thank you, Lord, that you are ready to save, that you left the glories and the riches of heaven to come down to a dark and sinful world. But Lord, you knew that we needed it and there was no else, that there was no other way that we could be saved. So Father, we thank you that you are the mighty saviour, that you are the one um, that our hopes are fixed upon, Lord. Our salvation is completely dependent on Jesus and we praise you for it. And Lord, we pray that in our lives that you will work good, that Lord, we might be able to be a good signpost to Jesus, that Father, we will do our best in everything we do, the big and the small things. Lord, whether that's at work or at home or at school, wherever we are, help us to give our rule in everything that we do and to not be forgetful of all that you have done for us. May our lives be a living sacrifice for you. And Father, as we um, worship tonight, we want just a, a sense of your presence and um, blessing upon us, that our souls will be really warmed by what we hear. And then, Lord, not to forget it as we leave, but I pray that this will sustain us through the week, that it will be our spiritual food and nourishment, Lord, to keep us going. I pray that as we go through, that we might, uh, through the coming days, that, Lord, you will be, um, on our minds and filling our hearts and may the wonder of what of, of your love go with us 
um, as we fa- uh, change, uh, as we face the uh, challenges of the coming week. Lord, you know everything that's coming up for us, and we may be dreading this week, Lord, as we sit here tonight, not knowing what, what we might face, or indeed knowing what we are about to face. But we thank you, Lord, that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and that you are the God of promises, that you will keep your word. And uh, so, Father, we plead those promises tonight, that you will be with us every step of our journey. And sometimes, Lord, we know there are people that suffer and um, that are here that suffer and, and, and um, don't want everyone to know. So, Father, I pray that whether our problems seem big or small to others, Lord, that you will um, help us carry our burdens, that, Lord, you, we might indeed be given the grace to lay everything down at the cross and know the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for all of that we've heard, all the, the ministries of today. We thank you for the service this morning and um, how we see the, the promises fulfilled in um, in the New Testament that were promised in the Old. We thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school and Ruti groups this morning as well, uh, where your word was spoken. And we pray for your blessing to be upon it all. And for those that were there, I pray, Lord, that it would do each one of us good and uh, and build us up in our faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And indeed, our love too. So, Father, as we worship tonight, be glorified, we pray, and uh, may everything that we be do uh, that we do be to your honour and glory. We pray for John as he speaks, that Lord, he's that he may be the uh, the means of us hearing your voice. May we hear it loud and clear, and uh, Lord, keep us focused upon you, and may uh, and may you have all the glory and honour through it. We pray. So, Father, be with us in this week that comes as well, and I particularly want to pray for the Wipey holiday, Lord, uh, with. Uh, that great um, opportunity um, for the young people to spend time together and have fellowship, that, Lord, it might be a time when they're kept safe, but, that, Lord, above all, that you will really bless them and that week, and may they um, may that fellowship do them good, and as they hear talks and have Bible studies, we pray, Lord, that it will really enrich their souls. We pray, too, that that will be the case for the leaders, and, Lord, with all the responsibilities that they have and things, no doubt, last-minute things still to organise, we pray for your hand to be in it all. And everything will work out really, really well. And it will be a, a great, memorable time for everyone that's going. So, Father, we commit that into your hands. And everything else that's coming up this week, Father, you know every hour as it comes. But we thank you for today. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us strength equal equal to all of the challenges that we face. So, Father, bless us now, we pray. And make one in our presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. got another song of praise now to sing and we're going to be singing oh for a thousand tongues to sing my great redeemer's praise the glories of my god and king the triumph of his grace let's stand and sing
Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. And if you've got a church Bible, that's page 222. Uh, John's sermon tonight is on good relationships. And so with that in mind, as we read this chapter through, um, try and spot the good relationships in the chapter and the qualities that make those relationships good. So reading from Ruth chapter 2, which is page 222. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out, and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did, you, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law who, with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. 
And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It's good, my daughter, that you go out with, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, after our next song, uh, John will be uh, explaining that passage to us, so we look forward to hearing that on the subject of good relationships. So our next song uh, before that is, uh, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul, my God, like you there is no other, true delight is found in you alone. Let's stand and sing.
So the topic this evening is, uh, is relevant to everyone here. It's the theme of good relationships. Good relationships. And uh, I'm on to it uh, partly because we have uh, refreshments afterwards in memory of a, a diamond anniversary. So that set my uh, thoughts thinking along uh, this direction. But we'll be thinking of other relationships other than just marriage this evening as we look at our chapter. Good to think, though, do you have good relationships? Think of some of the main relationships in your life. Would they be described as good relationships in the family, in the church, Other areas of your life? I remember a good few years ago when I was doing a, a dissertation as part of some pastoral studies um, and I was doing the dissertation on a, a, a difficult area really. It was on the, the whole subject of um, marriage problems and pastoral involvement, a uh, very difficult area. And as part of that, I interviewed a few pastors um, around um, to, to give some input. And uh, when I went to see somebody who was actually pastor of Pembury Baptist Church at the time, and he said quite near the start of the discussion, of course, the Bible is all about relationships. And I thought, is it? I hadn't thought about it like that before. The Bible was all about relationships? There's a lot to be said for that, you know. The Bible is all about relate. Relationships are key in the Bible. So thinking of relationships for this evening sent me to Ruth chapter 2, which we read. It's good to have direction, it's good to have instruction, but it's good also to have living, breathing examples of what we're thinking about. And that's what we have here in Ruth chapter 2. It especially stands out because of the times when it occurred Ruth is at the time of the Judges and we only need to step back one verse into the end of Judges to realise what the scene was like. The last verse of Judges, similar to others, and it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So there was a sort of chaos and anarchy. And yet in the midst of that you have this lovely episode that we have in the book of Ruth including chapter 2 that we're looking at this evening. Of course, it is part of a story, the four chapters of Ruth, a story of redemption, a story of God's wonderful providence over the details of our lives. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of assuming you know a bit about the story this evening. I'm sorry if you don't, but you might want to go back and read the whole story to get a sense of the setting. We're coming in from a particular angle, really, this evening, which is the emphasis on good relationships, but I think they do shine out of this chapter. So I don't know if you were thinking, were you, as we read, the good relationships in the chapter? Any thoughts, any suggestions as to the good relationships that came out of the chapter as you, as you read it? Boaz and his men. Boaz and his men. Ruth and Naomi, 
Any others? Believers generally. All right, thank you. A final one? Boaz and Ruth. Okay, let's see as we go through. I like to get us all thinking um, at the start. Um, now, just to say at the start, relationships do struggle, don't they? Uh, for many reasons. Sometimes it's something in us, sometimes it's something in others, sometimes it's the circumstances. There are difficulties in relationships. But it's good sometimes to look at good ones. And there are, as I looked at it, four relationships here in this chapter that I especially wanted to draw your attention to. The first two we'll be quite brief with, spend a little bit more on the third, and then the fourth caps it all. So four relationships here in Ruth chapter 2. And the first is the in-laws. The in-laws. Uh, in-law relationships have got a reputation, haven't they, for being uh, tense and fraught. Uh, the mother-in-law jokes used to abound when I was younger, and I checked the internet last night, and they still very much abound going by the internet. And there can be difficulties, can't there, with in-law situations. You have two families with their backgrounds and their values and their habits, uh, sort of coming together as people get married, and uh, it, it, there's a cross currents really in the in the meeting of that, uh, and the parents are are trying to adjust what it is to give their their children as they've got married um, some space and some freedom, and there's an awful lot going on uh, there as they do so. Uh, so it's not always easy in these situations of in-laws. And in some situations, it can't be easy. Sometimes a new couple do need to sometimes make a a gentle stand on their own against the in-laws. Just don't tell Morgan and Gemma that I said that. In this chapter, we do have in-law relationships. We have Ruth and Naomi, and they're harmonious and respectful. Ruth had developed a a bit of a reputation, but it was a good one. Verse 11, I'm putting a main verse up as we go. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Boaz said to Ruth, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother and your latest land and have come to a people you did not know before. Ruth had done so much for Naomi, her mother-in-law. They'd both lost their husbands. They'd been in Moab. They'd come back empty here now to Israel, to Bethlehem. And Ruth had stuck by her mother-in-law, Naomi, when you might have expected her to stay in Moab and get another husband quickly. No, she'd stuck by uh, Naomi, her her mother-in-law. She'd gone overboard in her kindness and her loyalty. The way in which they are together just breathes um, kindness, respect and concern. Take verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him. She needed to go glean some corn, in whose sight I shall find favour. 
And she said to her, go, my daughter. You sense respect, love, interest. They take interest in one another's lives. There is advice given. They're pleased at good developments. There's an unselfishness. Uh, Verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. So the specifics for us will, will vary, won't they, in our circumstances. But it's a wonderful little feature of the story, isn't it, I think? And perhaps you have in-laws... And maybe the quality of this lovely relationships here speaks into your circumstances. Maybe there's a need for fresh love, fresh patience, fresh respect, fresh understanding, fresh interest. Indoors, the indoors. And then secondly, we have the staff or the workers or the workforce. So employment relations are often quite strained, aren't they, these days? There's a lot of strikes going on, there's recrimination, there's a fraught atmosphere. You hear of poor management and poor handling of staff. And of course, anyone who's done any supervising or managing, or employing, knows it's a very tricky business. And you can't always be popular, and you come across some very difficult situations. But even said all that, verse 4 is very refreshing, isn't it? And Boaz comes to his field, and Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, these are his workers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. They're speaking. Sometimes uh, people aren't speaking. We've had that in some of the sort of more national things. Well, they're not talking. There's no negotiation going on. There's no speaking. Well, here, they're speaking between employer and employees. They're speaking with concern and with interest. They're a spiritually minded conversation. I know that's not always possible. Depends on quite your situation. But there is here. I think it's lovely. Boaz comes, the Lord be with you. And they answered... So they don't sort of ignore their boss, they're not grumpy in return. They say, the Lord be with you. Back to Boaz. I remember back in my university days, uh, the, uh, the pastor of that church, Paul Watts it was, actually was going through the book of Ruth. And uh, one of the men in the uh, congregation was... Uh, uh, in a leadership role in quite a big organisation, and he said to to, to Paul um, when it was coming up, he said, "Oh, the next week I see is on industrial relations." Well, there's some truth in that. It speaks into employment relationships, and it was worked out in other ways. You can see it as it follows on in verse five. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? There's asking of questions, there's entrusting of responsibilities. They seem very much on board with Boaz in the things that happen later on, which uh, protect 
and care for Ruth, who is working amongst them. There's been a lot recently, hasn't there, about abuse of power in workplaces, about sexual harassment in workplaces. Well, that's not the sort of environment that Boaz and his workers have. Partway through verse 9, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Long before the Me Too movement ever took hold, there was a protective concern for decency and purity. Now, obviously, this is a this is an older situation, an agricultural situation. It might be very different from where you are if you're in the workplace. But how good it is when there are good relationships. It's encouraged in the New Testament, isn't it? Not so long ago, we were in Colossians. Servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, your work relationships, you're doing what you can to foster good relationships as a manager. You're doing what you can to foster good relationships as a worker. Another lovely example of good relationships in this chapter. They're the briefer two. The next one we come to is the couple. The couple. Verse 13 would be a main verse, but I've actually sort of broadened it because there's a lot here. It was this that put me on to this theme because we have a, a diamond anniversary at this time, a very happy occasion. We have refreshments afterwards. And here you have a a couple, or really you have the beginnings of a couple, because they're not quite a couple yet in chapter 2. They've only just met. They hadn't even got to naught, let alone to 60. But you can see the traits in the way in which they are together, which will be a big help for the future, and which are exemplary, especially in the dark backcloth of judges when everybody's just doing what's right in their own eyes. So what are the ways in which kindness is shown? What are the ways in which Boaz shows kindness to Ruth? Again, let's just have a few comments, a few suggestions to get us thinking. How was Boaz kind to Ruth? Food at mealtime? Extra sheaves. Water. Water. Get two more before we go into it. Security. Security. Okay. What a fifth one? Spoke kindly. So Boaz here, the redeemer figure, 
who rescues as the story unfolds, who points forward to Jesus and his actions are full of kindness. And husbands are to be Christ-like in their character, in their actions. And you see it here. Let's go through some of these, many of which you've mentioned. He's interested in her. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge said, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. He's interested. He makes room for her. Verse 8, then Boaz says to Ruth, now listen my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Not a off you go, I've got enough on my plate, I don't need it. He's kind to make room for her, includes her. Respects and protects her decency and purity. We've touched on it halfway through verse 9. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? He meets her needs, carrying on in verse 9. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. He speaks comfortingly and kindly to her. Verse 13, when she said, I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. He abundantly provides. Verse 14, at the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. He goes the second mile. Verse 15. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. So the the gleaners really got the leftovers and were able to collect them. That's what she's doing by gleaning. And he says, let let her glean and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her and do not rebuke her. So there's there's uh, Ruth going along and collecting all the little bits of, and she comes across a bundle. And that's a bit strange. And then she goes a bit further and there's another bundle. And it's because Boaz's workers have been deliberately getting some of the good stuff and dropping it for Ruth. There was uh, going the second mile in kindness. And for her part, well, she's deeply appreciative. Verse 10, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said, why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And he's touched by her kindness, even though he's an older man and says in the next chapter, verse 10, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So, heartwarming attitude. So you think, and love it. It's a lovely story, isn't it? It's a lovely account. Uh, Maybe you're part of a couple 
maybe for 60 years, maybe for 40 years, maybe for 20, maybe for 3, maybe not even for naught in terms of uh, being married. But you're part of a couple. Aren't there lessons here in sort of Christ-like relationships? Um, Chaps, isn't there a bit of a checklist here that's quite good to think through? Interest in the other person? Making room for them in your plans and timetables, lifestyle and thoughts. Concern for their decency and their purity and doing nothing to harm or harass. Enjoying them having good things which meet their needs. Taking time to speak comfortably and kindly. Going overboard to delight. How are you doing with the checklist? They sound obvious, but they're not always quite so obvious in practice, are they? Not quite so easy. Uh, similar things might be for, uh, for the wives, but the extra ones in here are appreciating and respecting, kindness, loyalty... I'm sure Steve and Betty uh, wouldn't say that, but uh, we know that we've seen a lot of this in in their life and they've been a good example to us. It can be a wonderful feature of the life of a couple to the glory of God to have a good relationship. And see it lived out in Ruth 2 is a help to us this evening. But these traits are not just for couples. Uh, Many are not in couples. Uh, Maybe they were in the past. Maybe they might be in the future, but many are not as couples now. But many of these things are good in friendships generally. Lovely example of good relationships. So the couple. And then the last is foundational to all the others. And just calling it the Lord. The Lord. The the most important uh, relationship that uh, you or I have is with the Lord. That's that's the most important. That's the best. That's the number one relationship. And actually, our relationship with the Lord affects all our other relationships. It's foundational. And the Lord is a God of great kindness. And it's his kindness which is bringing about the situation. Verse 20, Naomi said to the daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. God is working out his kindness. He's feeling the kindness of God. All Boaz's actions really are a picture of Jesus, the ultimate, the great redeemer who's yet to come. And all that Boaz does is just a a little sort of picture for us of what Jesus is like, the great redeemer. And experiencing his kindness, having that relationship with him, is the most important thing. Both Ruth and Boaz obviously have a good relationship with God. 
You see that by what Boaz says to his workers, the Lord be with you. He's conscious of God and it's affecting the way he is with his staff. He loves the Lord, he knows the Lord. He's in relationship with the Lord. And Ruth, despite her background, is a lady of faith in the living God. We see that in verse 12, which is a a lovely verse. Boaz says to her there, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So the picture of the, the, the chick, I think, that's concerned and frightened. And so what it does is it goes under its mother and hides in the nest under the comfort of the wings to be protected from what's about. Maybe you've seen these little videos of that. I seem to remember we maybe looked at one a couple of years ago on a Thursday where you had these chicks and they run for safety under the wings of the mother. And it's a picture of believers and God. We, we, we trust the Lord. We go to the Lord in our need for redemption and forgiveness and protection. And Ruth had done that. So it says about her, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And it affects their relationship with others. In fact, the language Ruth uses in the next chapter is is of the same language that she wants Boaz to put his wings over her. There's a a godliness, a God-centeredness, a God-atmosphere about their relationships. And I'm sure that's been a big ingredient for Steve and Betty. That they've known the love of the Lord and his kindness and grace towards them. And in God's goodness, as that's affected them, it's worked through them and affected others. The Lord. Do you see your relationship with God in this way? Have you gone for refuge under the wings of of Christ? Are you protected by his cross and resurrection? Is that your safe place where you have gone for refuge? If you know the peace and security that comes from that, well that's a great thing to know. But it will also affect the relationships you have with others. with your in-laws, with your staff and colleagues, with your spouse. Seek for the first relationship to be right and with God's help and by his spirit, let it affect the others. Quite a bit, isn't there, about good relationships in Ruth chapter 2. Well, let's pause for a moment before our last song. And I do just encourage you to pick at least one of the categories we looked at this evening and try and turn it into some specific uh, prayers between you and the Lord in the next minute or so before our last song.
Well, let's turn then to our, our last song, song on the theme of love. Let love be found among us, a love from God alone, the hallmark of the children whom God delights to own. We sing through our last song. thank you for the blessing of relationships and yet we know that in this fallen world sometimes relationships can be difficult and testing. We thank you for the lovely example of relationships we have in this chapter which we've been thinking about and we pray that they might leave their atmosphere, their, their, their pleasant smell on our own attitudes and relationships for good and for your glory. And we do pray that we might especially know your kindness as our Redeemer, the blessing of being under your wings, and to know that sense of privilege and protection and safety and enjoyment being something which then overflows out of us to others. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.